Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'll Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to our very, very special not sponsored by HBO (laughs) (laughs) or The Last of Us, Last of Us miniseries. It is something that I am enjoying so much. I was telling Samantha the other day, it's like not, I don't even think of it as work. I'm just like, I can't wait to do this. (laughs) You get so excited. I do. I do. Uh, As we said, this is going to replace my happy hours. Um, We're going to do one kind of an after show review. A week after the current episode of The Last of Us TV show, which is, yes, on HBO Max. So you have a week. You have a week <laughs> before it comes out. But we will be spoiling the first three episodes. And I'm going to say, because I sent you that, uh, I've been sending you just random headlines about The Last of Us. I read that the the purchases of the first game is up 300%. I will say, if you don't want to be spoiled in the game. This is the biggest divergence from the game. And we are going to talk about what happens in the game right. and why it's different. Uh, so that's about the five to seven hour mark in the game. Uh, but, <laughs> yes, today we are talking about episode three, which was the one I was so, so excited about. Uh, a long, long time, I believe it's called. So good. But yeah, this is a March 19th, I think it's the last one. It's a temporary thing. Um But it is very much enjoyed. And thank you for coming on this journey and letting me do it. (laughs) Uh, So, Annie, I do have to uh, burst your bubble in Mm -hmm. that I know that we were really saying that you should have been the one to do the HBO podcast. But did you know it was actually the voice of Joel that hosts the podcast? I have been informed of this, yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. So, although you are a close second Thank him, you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So I don't I don't want you to get upset with me, but yeah, it makes sense that he would be the one to host 
the podcast with the creators, uh, Neil and I'm calling them Neil and Craig, like they're my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. said it. Yeah. And we have talked about this before where um, if I was a voice actor in a game, I'm not going to lie, I would be, I, I don't know, hurt. I'd be sad that I wasn't like in the, the show. And sometimes it makes sense and sometimes, yeah. but, but we get like Marlene, right. the same voice actor, which right. is very, very cool. And the clickers. And the clickers. So that is... Awesome, but I guess I'll let Troy Baker. Yes, do I know. I guess I'll I let know. him do it. I'll, well, like I was like, oh, that makes okay. Well, okay, that makes sense. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry to you, but yes. But again, oh. you are a close second. Thank you. All right. So yes, uh, Peter Hoare is the director of this episode. A long, long time, and Linda Ronstadt's music apparently is going up right now. My partner's been listening to Depeche Mode, though, so that is yes, also a, awesome. a throw out to that. Um, but yeah, let's do a recap. You ready for it, Annie? You going to cry? I might. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, before we do the recap, let me do this. Warning. This is rated... Uh, Sad. A.E., because Annie is going to be emotional. Yeah. So there's going to yeah. be a lot of emotions here. From Annie. So yes. just, and me too, but more so you. But yeah, yeah, so go ahead and get that rating. As well as, mm-hmm. I need you to take a big, deep breath with me, Annie. Okay. 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 We're there. Okay. <laughs> Let's begin. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Here we have uh, just lost Tess in episode two. The uh, Both Ellie and Joel are trying to regroup, eating a little food. Her first speech to him kind of is, look, you made a choice. You and Tess knew the dangers. No one forced you. You wanted the battery, and this is what it took, so please stop blaming me. So she kind of just go ahead and says that. He's very quiet, doesn't say much. So they travel because they are supposed to get to Bill's. That was the instructions from Tess. As we are traveling, uh, we come up on many sites, a crashed plane, the bodies of people who were murdered because there was not enough room for them at the QZ. Um, And there's a lot of conversation happening in between this. So she's getting a lot of detail from things, including how it first began. Uh, So we do get that the rice and flour, possibly it spread, and then they started biting. So we get all of that information. And then we have a flashback. We love a good flashback. (laughs) In this flashback, uh, we see the clothing of two murdered victims, and they're alive and well as a mom and a baby who are being driven off from a neighborhood. What is it, Bedford? Bedford. Bedford, or something, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Bedford, um, in which they are being transported. Next thing we see is Nick Offerman, who is playing Bill, all, I guess, in his bunker. yeah. With his gun ready to go because he was not going to be taken. What was his line? Not today, you New World Order jackboot. There you <laughs> go. Something like that. That's the line. And here we see Daddy Nick Offerman. I did yeah. call him Daddy because like, I was like, look, what? So, <laughs> yes, we see Daddy Nick Offerman slash Bill hiding in his bunker. After everybody leaves, he comes out gleefully, y'all, gleefully. And also, there was a lot of wine. I still don't understand why they didn't take the wine. There's so much wine there. Yeah. But I digress. And he gleefully goes in, gets his truck, puts his boat uh, on his truck uh, to Trailer. tow, yeah. uh, takes out the seats, 
goes to the hardware stores, goes to the drug stores, goes to all the places and loads up. He then puts a trap so that people can't come get him and none of the clickers and zombies can come get him. As in fact, in one of the scenes we see a clicker trying to get close and he gets shot in the head. Boom, As, like Bill's enjoying a fancy yes. meal and wine. Yes. <laughs> and fancy meal this and on wine <laughs> with his giant generator that mm-hmm. he has surveillance for everywhere. Uh, he is enjoying his good meal, enjoying his wine, having a final time. Oh no, something comes into a trap and he comes out. I was like, oh God, what am I going to do? And he points a gun, he yells, and here's this person in a, in a ditch, essentially his, his little trap. Mm-hmm. After verifying that he wasn't infected, he helps them out. And of course, he's like, you know, you need to move on your way. And that dude was like, look, I'm really hungry. I haven't eaten in two days. I'm Frank. Please give me the food. And he's like, dude, this is not an Arby's. You can't get free food. The response was, you had to pay at Arby's, obviously. <laughs> uh, ha, 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 joke, joke, joke. Then he's kind of like, you know what? Okay, okay, you can come in. We can do things. Dude, the stranger, Frank, takes a shower very long shower, which I would too, to be honest, yeah. um, comes out dressed and he's like, you know, if you had a meal, okay, we'll get you a meal. Oh, and between all this, of course, Bill gets him some extra clothes. Super nice, super nice. Mm-hmm. And they have a meal, a lovely meal with Beaujolais wine, yep. which I, that that brand's going to skyrocket, I bet. Um, <laughs> as well as cooked rabbit, correct? Is it rabbit? Yep. Delicious yep. meal has the best meal. Frank is hesitating. He's like, you know, I'll go, but let me. Oh, 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 oh! Look, you've got a piano. Let me go play on your piano. Plays the Linda Ronstadt song badly. Yes. And then, of course, Bill comes and shows him up a little bit, does the thing, and the question is, what girl were you thinking of? And he says, there is no girl. And Frank says, I know. Mm-hmm. Kiss. Magic happens. <laughs> and then they're mm-hmm. like, let's go upstairs. Take off your clothes. Literally, he says that to him. And then the question is, you know, have you ever been? And he's like, no, only a girl a long time ago. And he's like, I'll take care of you. Other favorite line is, you know, I'm not a whore. I don't sleep with every man that makes me lunch. <laughs> not even a good lunch. <laughs> not even a good lunch. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's that. Uh, we move on. They are a beautiful couple. There's a lot of ups and downs. Uh, we see them coming together. He's like, I need more people. I need company. I need to make this a happy place. I'm going to go fix this, this, and the boutique, and you need to let me. And he Mm -hmm. was like, and also, we're going to have company. And he's like, what? Mm -hmm. He's like, I've been talking to a lovely woman. He's like, what? On the radio. (laughs) and (laughs) Exactly. And we have Tess and Joel coming in. They're having a lovely alfresco dinner or lunch as they are sitting there. Of course, Bill is pointing a gun at Joel the entire time. Rightly so, mm-hmm. <laughs> while Tess and Frank gallivant off to show the house. Do, 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 mm-hmm. do, do. Um, <laughs> after that, they become a fixture in their lives. They're, I'm going to put quote friends. Frank's mm. their friend. Bill's yes. just there. Uh, and yeah. so is Joel, essentially. Yeah. Um, and, but they do have a deal going on where they do trade back and forth and all these things. Moving mm-hmm. on, we see, and Joel warns them. So this was one of those moments that the director and the writers tricked us, thinking this was going to be the end. Right. Uh, because Joel warms you, there's, there's raiders coming through. You're going to need protection. We can help you, all these things. And, and Bill's like, I got this. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, next thing we know, we hear fire and gunshots and all these things. And there are raiders coming through. And Nick Offerman's in the middle of the street, not behind anything, just shooting away, shooting away. Mm-hmm. Frank <laughs> comes down to assist with a gun. 
I think he kind of distracts Bill. Bill gets shot. And then we're watching all the other ones getting burned up and fired up and all those and blown up because all Mm -hmm. of the rigs. And then Frank carries Bill in. Bill tells him all these dying things. You need to take care of this, this, take care of this. And then we see Frank, he's got, I got you. I'm taking care of you. Thinking he's a part of the medical field because he seems to know a lot of things. And then Mm -hmm. we flash forward to someone in a wheelchair. My automatic assumption was Bill. But it isn't. It's Frank. Frank's in a wheelchair. It is 20 years later, I guess. So it starts out, 2003 is when mm-hmm. we have uh, the first him hiding in the in the bunker. 2007 mm-hmm. is when Frank shows up. We're back now at 2023. And yep. Frank's in a wheelchair. We find out Frank's sick. He needs a lot of help. He doesn't feel good. But Bill is taking care of him. They're doing such great things. He puts him to bed. They wake up the next day, and Bill, Frank is sitting in the wheelchair. And Bill's like, what did you do? I was going to help you. And Frank says, you know, it took me all night to do this, but I got here. And then he says, today is my last day. And they he comes up with a whole, whole plan about how he's suffering. There's nothing they can do. There's no doctors, even though Bill's like, well, maybe we can find one. All these things. He's like, no, uh, you know, I've had a lot of good days. I've had a lot of bad days, and they were with you, but I've had a lot more good days, and I would like this to be a good day. Annie, I see you're about to cry. I'd I like know. to see <laughs> a good day. And he rattles off all the things that would be a good day, uh, including him, them dressing up, them getting married, and them having a final dinner with him crushing up all the pills in, in the wine so that Frank could take it where he can go and die in Bill's arms for the last time. So all these things. Oh, forgot the strawberry part because this is like we need that oh. strawberry part. We uh, during the middle of before all this, uh, Joel trades things with uh, trades for a gun, apparently mm-hmm. a small gun. So says Frank's for seeds for strawberries, and we have the cutest giggling moment, which was very Ron Swanson like I will say, but it was very mm-hmm. cute of them enjoying something they hadn't had in so long that they grew. It was a beautiful scene. I believe that scene has become a meme for many people. Be like, mm-hmm. and this is sadness and happiness all at the same time. But, <laughs> and then we're back to them doing the marriage, looking handsome together, eating the last meal, which was as the same as the first meal. Mm-hmm. With the same, same line, yep. beautifully done, and he crushes up this amount of pills, dumps it into uh, Frank's wine. Frank gulps it down. Frank looks at Bill. Bill gulps his wine down, which clicks. Oh, you already put some pills in this drink, and he's like, "How much?" He said, "Enough to kill a horse," um, and he's like, "I I don't want to be here without you. I've lived my best days with you. This is enough." So the next thing we know, they go off to bed. In scene. Next, we come back to seeing Joel and Ellie arrive at the fence. He knows something wrong because there's nothing going off. So he goes, gets the code, goes in, and uh, they can't find them. He goes to the door to open it, but it's stuck. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ellie finds the note, a note in which is so Bill talking about how I don't like you. <laughs> but I know it's you who finds this because anybody else would have been blown up. <laughs> Ellie reading that part is my favorite thing. And then mm-hmm. he also gives instructions to take care of the ones he loves, take care of Tess, which is a knife to the heart. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, he's like, hey, we're in the bedroom. I left the window open. Don't come in. 
leave us alone. Mm-hmm. Take whatever you need. Good luck, essentially. And uh, yeah, so they go through, get things, get a shower for the first time. Here we see Ellie's signature shirt from the video game. And we mm-hmm. see Joel wearing the shirt that was given to uh, Frank the first day he was there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then they take the car, they get the battery, and they move on their way. With Linda Ronstadt playing. And with Linda Ronstadt playing in the back, in the truck. Yeah. With a cassette tape. Yeah, so Joel has decided, like, after I've, he read the letter, I'm trying to find my brother Tommy. He used to work with the Fireflies. I will take you with me. Uh, Ellie, I will take you with me because they're trying to get her to the Fireflies. And uh, I think reading that letter, he was like, okay. Yes. I guess I'll try to protect There was this another person. scene. We see Ellie kind of coming in our own where she goes down, finds tampons, which I did appreciate that scene. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. she looks like she's hit the jackpot with those box of tampons, which yeah. that's where she kind of runs into the clicker that's been buried underneath uh, rubble, and she stabs him in the face. After having a very, like, contemplative, morbid curiosity yeah. moment, yeah. which we, we are going to talk about that. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Once again, excellent uh, recap, Samantha. Thank you. You did get tears <laughs> flowing. Also going to talk about that. As we said, we um, we watch these together. We're probably going to watch all of them together. Uh, Y'all, I, I'm sorry. I regret that I didn't do a before and after shot of Annie. I really should have. I might do that for episode five. Uh, just 
That's because that one's going to be big. Hint, yeah. hint. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will do a before and after. <laughs> It wasn't good, everyone. It, I mean, it was. It was lovely. I love this kind of stuff. I love, I'm somebody who get, I get a lot of catharsis out of this kind of thing. I know it doesn't do that for everybody. And in fact, I've had at least four people now. It's gone up. Like, why are you doing this to me? Why? And I'm like, it's not my fault. Right. Um, and I know we're going to talk more about this, but this is definitely a variation. And as someone who was just a watcher, this was so much more impactful and beautifully yes. done. And the way they wrote the script was a love letter. And it was gorgeous. Yeah. And it, it's been really... Like, it's sad and it's been cool at the same time to how many people are writing about it and how much, like, they cried and how how moved they were by it. Um, and I should say, uh, we had a lovely meal of steak sandwich... Uh, which is from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, some smashed potatoes, mm-hmm. uh, Brussels. And me and one of my other good friends, Katie, has been on the show. We're sitting on opposite sides of the couch. And Sorry. I think I could just hear like sniffling from her and sniffling from me. <laughs> and I cried <laughs> so hard that the next day I stayed over at Samantha's. The next day I came down, my face was so swollen. I did not see her right in front of me. <laughs> I was right in front, in front of, of me. <laughs> I was like, and I said, said something. You? I was looking at her. Like, uh. <laughs> my face is still a little swollen. <laughs> yes. Uh, we recorded yesterday as well and you were like yeah. I just stopped crying essentially <laughs> and then I left and watched it again and cried and started more. crying yeah that's what you did yeah yeah um and I knew I'd read a bunch of things I think I've been teasing it I knew this one was gonna be a a real right. heartbreaker yeah. I did want to talk about like the biggest thing obviously with this one is the departure from the game and is the story of Bill and Frank so here's the part where I'm gonna talk about what happens in the game if you really don't want to know it is different um so it's also really easy to miss, as I said. So honestly, we'd probably be fine. But so in the game, um, you need the car battery and you go to what's called um, Bill's Town because he's just booby-trapped everything. Just everything is booby-trapped. And um, he lives there by himself. And he's more like Tessa's friend, but it's still a very like transactional... What supplies can we get each other? And come to find out via reading notes, Frank is his romantic partner and Frank has killed himself to get away from Bill. Or that's what the note says. It's like, I can't take one more f-ing day with you. I would rather be dead than living next to a miserable person like you. And it's like, like I said, you can miss it. You could literally bypass most of this. Um, so it was like a really dark story. And I get what they were trying to do. They're trying to tell you like, well, who who is surviving this? And what does it take to survive it? And it doesn't look like the quote, heavy quote, like good people are surviving. It seems like kind of these like really miserable, but that's what it takes to survive in this world. And Frank has has killed himself. And they don't even say, like, outright that they're partners, but it's very clearly implied. Right. Yeah, Yeah. so that story is very subtle. Um, I will say, like, there are moments in the show where we think that's going to happen. Yes. So when he runs out the door arguing, like, yeah, I'm miserable doing this. I can't do it like you. You need to let me do me to be happy. So 
they they did this. The writers did this on purpose to mess yes. with us. I know because I'm like ah oh yeah. okay yeah well and I'm going to talk about that in a second because there's a couple of reasons why. I love what they did so much better in the show. And some of them have been really poignantly written about because a lot of people have already written about this. I did want to say, I read an interesting article from the creator about like the importance of not only hiring... This is Murray Bartlett played played Frank, who is a gay man. But he also hired like queer like camera people, middle-aged queer camera people, and like the in the story, and the director was. So it was like diversity in like multiple levels. It wasn't just um the actor. And we talked about that with Nick Offerman in it, who I also read a lot of interviews with him and about how seriously he took this and how he knew, like everyone working on this knew like this is a huge deal and we can't mess it up because you don't see this that often on television. You don't see it in action and horror and video game world. Like, right. You don't see this. And you don't see it played out as a genuine love story. You see it right. being kitschy or comical or dramatic. But this was just genuine, sweet love. Like, kindness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things, like, I was immediately, when they first meet, I was like, oh. Like, because of... um. Frank is, Bill is very much, he even says like the survivalist. He has this kind of like outward persona where we talked about afterwards, like was it internalized homophobia? Was it the like apocalypse made him feel like, oh, I can be myself or do this um, or whatever it is. But that scene where he's serving like this very lovely meal and then he brings out the wine and he's like, I know I don't see like the type. And Frank just says so sincerely like, oh no, yeah, you do. It was just like a really lovely, like, because there's so many stereotypes and tropes in there that really shouldn't be there, but they are. And so it was just such a nice, like, and then you get to see Bill playing the piano and he's singing this song, like very like moving emotional song. And he's a masculine dude, like Nick Offerman, even his outside persona is a very masculine dude. I mean, I love the memes. That's just pretty much him as Ron Swanson being (laughs) placed with the lines from The Last of Us. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you and I have talked about, and and, uh, my partner and I talked about that. At first, I was concerned. I was like, why is Nick Offerman, who is very openly uh, in a relationship with Megan Mullally. So, like, it seemed kind of like, you know, this seems kind of, eh, could they have done this wrong? But the conversation is, it is a very masculine dude who's never been able to face his own self, um, which is why he's like, I've never done this, I've never been that, but discovering that person with him. And it's also this conversation, and I I read uh, recently an interview with a director um, where he said, it's this conversation of maybe he's not even necessarily gay, but he was in love with Frank. It was the Mm -hmm. person. That was it. Frank, he found the one he loved, and it was Frank. It's not about sexuality, discovering that. It was that. And I don't want to take away from that, but like the truth of the matter is, this is the conversation I've had with you about like, I I identify as heterosexual. That's never been a thing. I've never been with a woman. I've never been really attracted to a woman. But at the same time, I do love people. So there could be this conversation of like, if I met someone else and they happen to be uh, identifying as a woman or as non-binary or what, that doesn't matter. I would be in love with that person. And that's that whole spectrum of sexuality that we've been talking about that it doesn't really need it. I get labels and it's good to have labels if you need that and understanding who you are. But it could be as simple as I love this person and he loved Frank. 
with all his heart. And he did not know love like that until he met Frank. And that could have been the story and not necessarily anything else being the byline. And of course, Nick Offerman understands that love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a lot of interesting conversations and things written about it because I remember the first time I played the second one, and no spoilers, I promise, but the second one has queer storylines as well, and they were still, they're still homophobia, and I remember being so disappointed. It's not like those things go away, right? Like, But I was like, they're zombies. <laughs> the world is ending, <laughs> and you're still doing this. So there, I read. I read an article with the creator too, where he was like, "What would it be, you know, in the in the world after this? Would we still hold on to those things, or would we not?" And I do love like that scene where they're fighting again. As Samantha said, it really was setting you up, like, "Oh, it's coming, yeah. it's coming." It's but coming. it was such like a sweet. They're different people, but he yeah. did kind of. He was like, "Okay." Yeah, he wasn't happy about it, but he's like, "All right, you, well, you want the paint? We'll have the dinner party." It was it was a little bit of comic relief. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this was a quote from the interview from Inverse with Peter Hoare. He says, and he's talking about Nick Offerman playing this character and why Bill was so complicated. He says he was never going to naturally discover who he was to fall in love with or who we found attractive until Frank came along. And even then, it wasn't just about being a man. It was because he was Frank. It was because Frank is Frank. I felt like it was about making sure to keep reminding them all of that. And he goes, oh, it's not as complicated perhaps as it sounds. It's about heart and love and truth. And I love that. And I was like, yeah, oh God, I speak. yes, it speaks to me. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> um, and also like going back to these like tropes we see, these stereotypes we see, not just with um, queer characters, but just with like men and a man like Nick Opperman slash Bill. I think that scene where Frank kind of takes over and he's like, is this your first time? Like being very like kind and careful and very consensual, you know, like, hey, and and having, because in our society, it's like men, of course, you're a manly man. You've had so much sex and that's your conquest with women. And that's how you, but he just said kind of like, no, one time with a girl. And I don't know, there was something about that that was nice too. It was sort of a refreshing change on that and I liked that Frank kind of it's like okay well we'll start with the simple things and we'll figure right. it out like it was just very sweet right it was yeah snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating 
for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're kind of moving into the territory I want to talk about where, why... I think it was so much better that they did it this way than how they did it in the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. One is, because there are a couple of tropes here that are kind of immediately concerning because they've been handled so badly before. And one is, you know, with queer love stories a lot of the time, they do die. And that is what happened here. But it wasn't like a tragic, oh, we never knew these people and they got killed off. Right. It was like finding joy. It was seeing the life that they lived, which was a quite a long life. Right. That they lived together and finding joy and finding purpose in each other in this apocalypse. And I was telling you, like, I've made this outline of how I think every episode of the show is going to go. And it's so grim. Mm-hmm. Every I'm like, whoa, <laughs> how are they going to do this? So it was such a nice thing to see, like, finding that humanity and finding that connection and finding that love in the context of this Right. Um, zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like they didn't die. They didn't get killed off uh, violently. They didn't go through and um, and try to save someone or they weren't murdered by, because of who they were. None of that happened. They grew older together and they decided to go out together. And talking about how happy their days were, how some of the days were bad and they were all worth it with mm-hmm. each other and like to also like the whole ending of him like I want you to hold me for the last time that mm-hmm. was such a moment because that they grew into this loving relationship and it was loving like everything they had was about love and even mm-hmm. that being just them they were content yeah well and they did a really good job of that too because you could tell like they were different people they were very different mm-hmm. people 
Um, and they had fights and disagreements and the days weren't easy. Um, but that was something else that I really liked was when, oh no, I'm getting teary-eyed. When he says like, <laughs> Bill says at the end, like, I'm satisfied. It's not that they like, like, oh, my lives are so, our lives are so miserable. Let's just end it. It's like, well, we've had a lot of good days together. Yeah. I want to go with you. Oh. <laughs> Right. And she's crying, y'all. It's happening. Yes. Um, and I do love the way they closed out. I didn't talk about this. They closed out the scene with an ode to the video game, which is where you start to say play or not start is a window open with Breeze. Yes. They intentionally <gasps> did that at the end as an ode to the game. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> but I also liked that, that you never see their bodies. It's not mm-hmm. gratuitous. They try it's not just... to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that because we've talked about that with ableism and kind of that whole, you know, oh, I'm in a wheelchair. I'd rather be dead. Right. It, it didn't give me that vibe at all. It just kind of gave right. me like, you know, I'm, I'm happy. Right. And it's, it's not going to. Right. And I think the biggest part to that is that he, he had pain. Um, mm-hmm. He had so much pain. And that was kind of that conversation. It's like, I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is hurting. Um, and of course, yeah, there's always a conversation about ableism, but also free will and free choice. There's so much to that um, in the conversation. Um, and, but he had found joy for the longest time up mm-hmm. until the point that he couldn't handle the pain. And I think yeah. he insinuated he's been in a wheelchair for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, and it was so nice. Like, they didn't just show the, the sad times. Like, that scene with the strawberry. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but it was, like, such a joyful thing that they shared together. Like The giggle and the joy. And the fact that Frank hid that for a while, That because it takes, like, a good... Six months to grow, like mm-hmm. that size. Mm-hmm. It looked really good, though. I will say that. It, it did. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then I did want to say this. This would probably be my like ominous hint <laughs> of the of the episode because the, they have those kind of behind the scenes things at the end of you know what was going on in this when they were making it and creating it. And one of the things I think Neil Druckmann who made the video game said was like, where love can take you. And so I think this was like an, a happy example. Whereas in right. the game, it wasn't. Right. Uh, but in this, it was a happy example. But I would, yeah, I would say that's a very good outline for this whole show is where right. love can take you. And that can be very bad and that can be very good. And it can be in between a lot. Right. Um, there is definitely the comparison to Joel uh, with the notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's talking about, like, protect Tess. I got to protect Frank. He says, men like us, protect. And then he's wearing the shirt. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of comparison of, like, oh, what will Joel, where will love take Joel? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll leave that there. And then I, yeah, we need to briefly touch on Ellie, I think. Of course. Because this was a... We we were Smith and I were talking about this. I don't think this is a big departure, but she's definitely um, she's a little like harsher's too strong, but like rougher edged, right? For the beginning uh, yeah. of of the game, she's uh, Bella Ramsey's portrayal of her is rougher right. edged, uh, and so like this scene where she kills the zombie, which she doesn't tell Joel about, mm-hmm. she stole the gun and doesn't. Tell mm-hmm. Joel about it. She, I like how they did really, they're already planting the seeds that she's very insecure in how she's going to survive in this world because she kept asking like, well, what if Bill and Frank aren't there? What if Bill and Frank won't take me? What if, which is, I mean, yeah, it would be terrifying. Like, what is going to happen to me? Are you just going to leave me 
if they're not there. Uh, and we also at the same time see Joel trying to protect Ellie's innocence where he's like, no, we should, we'll take the longer way. I don't want you to go that way because you'll see something you don't want to see. And that's where the mass gravesite is. Whereas Ellie immediately is like, well, now I have to go see it. Right. And I think that's the dichotomy of he grew up in this time where he remembers like his daughter, Sarah, and he remembers like that kind of protecting level of children. Ellie has never really known that. Right. She's just grown up in a zombie apocalypse world or that's sort of part of her life. And so I think that's sort of a push and pull between them of him really wanting to protect what he views as like her childish innocence and her being really, really frustrated because she's like, that this is the world we live in. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And yeah, when we were talking about it, like the way I, I interpreted both of them were a little different as where uh, the Ellie in the game to me was more willing to go with everything Joel said. A little, a few, definitely a lot of questions, but it was like, mm-hmm. okay, didn't push too hard. The Bella Ramsey Ellie, she does that too. She pushes, she pushes, but then she knows when to stop because he makes the face um, mm-hmm. and she backs <laughs> off. But like the whole killing of the zombie, the m- moment that, as the director was saying, was like, you know, from uh, episode two, episode one, she is intrigued by him beating the hell out of that guard and not disgusted, which was the opposite reaction to Sarah from Sarah, who was like, of horrified to see mm-hmm. that she he had killed that monster who was a, a neighbor. Mm-hmm. But like the the differences are pretty pretty stark. Again, this has to do that. Yes, Ellie has been alone. She's seen some <laughs> essentially, um, and she's just waiting her turn to die. It seems. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense to that. But yeah, it is. It, it, there's a small difference in the the attitudes on how Ashley Johnson, the voice of the original Ellie, portrayed it versus uh, what Bella Ramsey's doing with this role. But again, Bella Ramsey her whole persona is a little bit tougher. We saw that with <laughs> Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, she was intense. And this does fit that as survival mode. Yeah, well, I also think it's interesting because we did talk about this too. Like I said, I think Ashley Johnson just kind of has a her voice and her the way she approached it in the game which is kind of softer. She's still like, she curses like a sailor. Mm-hmm. I would never mess with her. But she, I think the way they did it was much more, we're depending on Ellie for these rare bright moments of happiness, which does still happen because she'll still be like, oh, wow, I've never been in the woods. Oh, mm-hmm. wow, I've never done this and this and sort of that childlike wonder. But I think also because we know, because <laughs> you and I, the insiders know <laughs> what happens in the second one and how it ends. The first one ends. I feel, oh no, another ominous hint. Uh, I feel like they're they're kind of planting other seeds. <laughs> right. Well, no, the director said that behind the scenes. Like you, you're, you're seeing something different for a reason outside of just her environment currently. That that yeah, that definitely is a whole thing, and it, it only grows. I, I mean, in that environment, can you be anything more than callous, though? And that's the question. That's the question. Um, where does love take Ellie? This is your. This is like your hypothesis for every episode. Be like, where does love go in this one? <laughs> oh gosh. And I know. I I also told Samantha. I think I've said this in previous ones. I do have like a kind of overarching, not necessarily critiques, but some critiques, but like thoughts about these tropes. I'm saving them for the last one because I think like even just talking about them without spoiling them is spoiling them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just know that that is coming, and a lot of stuff with Ellie's character is sort of 
tricky to talk about. But she does have the scene in the game as well where Joel puts in this music and it's like, oh, it's so good. And she's like, whatever. But then they <laughs> bond over the mm-hmm. they bond over the music. So it's that you can see the the bonding is is happening. It's beginning. It is beginning. I did want to mention the awkward dinner party. There is that awkward dinner party between Joel and Tess and Bill and Frank, and I loved it because it was so it. awkward. It was so good. <laughs> yes. Bill, was, uh, Frank going, Bill, really? Yes. And yes, the lowering it, of the gun. Yes. Well, we were talking about it, too. It's so funny how, like, a lot of times couples do kind of, not always, but they'll kind of fall along those lines where you've got the one that's like, oh, I do not want to be here. And the other one's like, but please, I want friends. Right, and so right. Tess is sort of that version and then Frank is sort of that version. And I like seeing them kind of bond. It was so right. cute. Right. <laughs> I did love that. I've also been meaning to mention this is largely based on a book called The World Without Us, which is a, um, a book that is about what would happen if humanity just disappeared. So a lot of the like imagery and, and all that stuff comes from that. There is a documentary about the game, how the game is made, and it's awesome. Obviously, wait till you finish the show if you don't want to be surprised, but it is really cool. It's got a fun alternate ending. And then just to say, yeah, like the response after this one has been like hugely positive, but just so many people, especially in the queer space, like, you know, haven't seen this or this just, especially as I said, in this sort of like action horror video game realm. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm glad they did it this way as opposed to, oh, you just right. find Frank's dead body. This is so much better. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. I was wrong. In, in my next week predictions, I was wrong about the bloater, but I did. You heard me talk about it before where I had revised my my prediction because it's too early for the bloater. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. in the game, but in the show. Right. Yeah. I think I know what happens in the next one, but it's too much of a spoiler, but... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Intense trauma. Every, I mean, all, everyone. <laughs> Just expect much. that. Every time. Every time, every time. Oh my gosh, what an emotional roller coaster this roller has been. Roller coaster. I probably watch it again tonight. I don't know. I know you will. So I good. know you will. Ah. Oh, well. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Samantha, Love for it. hosting, for supporting me, my passions. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. I hope you're enjoying it. I have enjoyed all of my... I mean, it does kind of overwhelm me, but I've enjoyed all the messages I've gotten about it, especially the, like, why, Annie? <laughs> uh, she likes that reaction. I just threw my arms up in the air. You couldn't see it, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, well, I can't wait for the next episode. I think I texted you the next day. I was like, oh, yep. so excited, yep. so excited. So many so, things. Be on the lookout for that. As we said, these are coming out every Saturday, a week after the newest episode to prepare you for the next one. Right, right. Just the recaps. Just the recap. And, uh, you know, I, I could talk about this forever. I think the second, I think the last episode is going to be two-parter. But we'll see. It's going to um, But then we'll go back to our <laughs> regularly scheduled-ish programming. <laughs> promise, promise, promise. <laughs> um, if you have any thoughts, if you want to send me any crying text messages, uh, you can. <laughs> you can email us at stephmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I've Never Told You. <laughs> you might see me crying in one of the videos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is production from iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 